Hi, this is Dr. Reggie Podcast. This is a special edition of my podcast and I'm bringing out this special edition because of uh, the recent kidnap of the girls from the school in Zamfara State. Now, what you're going to be hearing actually happened when the kidnap actually took place. And by the time you're hearing this now, the girls have been released. The summary of all this, what's playing out is that there is a whole gang up that people ask for amnesty is being debated but as if the strategy has changed that if you won't give amnesty, then we'll get the money through other means, which is kidnap. Because it's as if it's just a recurring decimal. Some people are kidnapped. The next two, three, four days, there's a whole lineup of young boys or young girls marching to a state house. So these are just some random thoughts that I put together for this special edition of my podcast. If you notice, some of them are kind of disjointed, the thoughts then because they are sort of coming different clips. But I'm sure there's something I got across because at the end of it, there's something that can be done about this. Is Nigeria a failing nation or is it a failed one? Take a good listen. I was actually writing a post on my Facebook and um, I just lost it. A network glitch and I thought Facebook actually saved drafts, but I looked for it. It was so painful. So I decided to just put my thoughts in voice. It's about just the news I just broke about the school kidnap again in Zamfara State. Some girls numbered, not ascertained yet. And it just brought back a lot of things to my mind. I've been writing about signs of a failing nation, my musing on the social media a lot of my readers and followers are beginning to disagree with me that nigeria is not a failing nation but a failed one i still maintain that it's failing because the whole concept of failing nation third world for me personally is hogwash these are just you know phrases concept developed by imperialists colluding with their surrogates who parade themselves as politicians or government officials in Africa and those places to continue to keep these nations in perpetual penury, poverty and underdevelopment. Now, the issue that triggered this program is this recent kidnap. And what's coming for me is that very obvious, what is obviously obvious the way I've been saying is that the political class in Nigeria and championed by the current government in power, the way they like to call it, they have actually declared war on the nation. I really mean it. I don't believe in all this third world concept, failing nations. How did we arrive at what determines who a third world is? Who determined the grading? Who set the exams or the assessment? Were the students prepared? Were they asked to prepare for the test so that they can pass? If a Nigerian or you know, a Sierra Leonean or maybe somebody from Asia will be the one to divide the nations and not a French economist, will he call his own nation third, second, or first? His apparent is going to call it first. So I don't believe in all those kind of things. We should write our own script. Write our own script. Who can write this? Not old people with shaky hands, but young, vibrant people with a good device in their hands, an iPhone, a Samsung phone, an iPad, or any kind of tablet, that's where those new pages can be written. But right now, these young people are just scribbling on pages because they still think like toddlers. Now, that's the simplest way to put it. Now, how do you kind of wrap your head around a situation where in the middle of all these security challenges that the nation is having, the president came out and what is uppermost on his mind is actually that the Fulani tribe should not be profiled. Don't think 
I shouldn't have said that because he didn't mention Fulani, but he said no tribe should be profiled. Now, there is no other tribe that is being allegedly profiled right now in Nigeria except the Fulani tribe because they are not being profiled unjustly. They came out, the Fulani Makban or Mietiala that he called them, they actually came out to claim the crime perpetrated by the Fulani, you know, Katuhadas. Now, having said that, if that is what is uppermost on the president's mind, then you begin to see the drift. Why do we talk about the migration of the Fulanis from Futajalon to Nigeria as Fufu-speaking people? Why do we talk about that in a low tone? Why don't we want to go into the area of what led to the civil war? Why don't we want to really face the reality and amplify the thought that the real tribe that we really want to be independent in Nigeria are the Yoruba race? Why? There's nothing wrong with that because those who migrated here from Futajalon and they become the Fulani and the domineering kind of group, they are all dead. The Yoruba people who really, really don't believe in a Nigerian nation are all dead. The Igbo people who have a unique way of life, those who are responsible for our history are all gone. Why don't we flip a new page? Why don't we flip a new page and let the Fulanese know that they are no longer strangers here? I did my doctoral dissertation on the crisis in Jaws, and I discovered that many generations of Hausa Fulanese resident in Jaws, they don't have another place to call their own. Why don't we create an atmosphere? Because it's fear. If you take something that belongs to someone else, you always live in the fear that they will come back and take it, so you want to fortify yourself. Could that be the reason why we're having a lot of AK-47 around? Why don't we allay the fear and then come to the reality that Nigeria is not a nation? Now, it's obviously obvious again that the one-time head of state in Nigeria have said that if any sort of insurgency, any sort of banditry, which is the new word now, if it goes beyond 24 hours, what is really happening is that the government of the day is behind it. They are using it to actually fulfill a particular agenda. What else do you want me to say? I'm just paraphrasing what General Sani Abacha said years ago. So, when you look at this, how do you explain a situation where Ishegumi will come out and he basically came out to say that he's now the spokesperson of the bandits. He said they are not criminals and they are asking for amnesty. In a nation where you ask for amnesty for criminals even if you say that they have repented yeah if they've owned up to a crime then they should be tried and sent to jail as appropriate the only amnesty they deserve is three good meals in prison that is the only way to give them amnesty and it's really very very sad this country is at war and that's it but shigumi asked for amnesty and there's been a debate all about it. So, my conclusion is this. He has said, with his bandits, if you won't give us amnesty by legal means, we will resort to collecting the amnesty as ransom. That's what's obviously obvious. But as long as the youths are just unconcerned because you can still buy data on your phone and use it to post all this nonsense on Facebook, some people who should be relegated to the background will continue to be on our front pages so the reality is this bombs and guns can only kill bodies and sometimes unfortunately bodies will be killed but guns and bombs can kill ideas it can kill well-crafted ideologies this very popular activist i think is a kenyan 
Patrice Lumumba, this anti-corruption activist, came out recently. When they asked him why he didn't run for political office, he said the reason is Africans, Nigerians, young people don't like the politics of ideas. They can't handle it. They just want something that is very, very simplistic. He said that's why he can't come out. Now, bombs and guns can only kill bodies, but they can't kill ideas. The 65% young population in this country need to begin to think ideologically. How do we begin to develop ideologies, Dr. Reju? First of all, the power of ideologies is in you being able to rightly process history. But you see, you need to first of all navigate away, have a total shift in paradigm from this joke, comedy, lifeless, mindless kind of orientation. And in a sincere way, in the post of truth, in painting reality. I just had a brilliant daily theology day talking on TV and he was talking about creating a center that we think that we remind us of our history and all those kind of things. Brilliant idea. But it shouldn't be one center. The history of the Fulanese is different from the history of the Igbos. The history of the Igbos is different from the history of, of the Thieves and the Idomas and that of the Yorubas. That kind of center should not be a central place. It should be in all the tribal enclaves. There's nothing wrong in accepting the fact that we are different people. That's where that ideology we start from. That we are different doesn't mean we can't work together. That we become a confederacy doesn't mean we can work together. But it's apparent that this nation can be one in the sense that we are saying it. Somebody will say that the unity of this nation cannot be negotiated. That's fallacy. That's an insincere, hypocritical statement. What needs to be negotiated at this time is actually the unity of this country. And that is not saying that we are going to arrive at a place of disunity, but a definition of that unity. The understanding, a description of what that unity looks like. Those are the kind of things that we need to talk about. What do you think will happen if you have problems with the police and the whole student body? The whole association in the school, we, we have an agenda that let's go join the police. We need to be long-term in our thinking. It's really, really critical what you've subjected, the weapon that's in your hand. Someone once said, a man with a gun without a will to fight will be defeated with a man without a gun who has a will to fight. But for me, all that is going on is this. The 65% young, vibrant citizens of this country, the young people, this failing, this slide will continue as long as you are unaware of that very potent weapon in your hand. Very potent weapon in your hand, which is the social media. But as long as you subject it, you only use it, you only deploy it for selfies early in the morning, for the latest dance steps, for senseless videos, you know, for some heretic sermons or Bible verses on social media and all kinds of nonsense that doesn't really promote any kind of nation building. This trend will continue. I'll give you an instance. If NSARS can just, the light of NSARS can just be, be extinguished just because guns were brought out on the street. And you know that the guns were sending you to your bunker, which is the social media, for you to continue to mount that pressure.
But left and all you do is now posting all kind of daily challenges, challenges from the village you come from, from the faith you embrace, and all those kind of religious nonsense. This trend will continue. Stop blaming the political class because this is my position. Darkness is not powerful. Darkness is as weak as when you see the weakness of darkness if you can just grope your way through it and find the light switch once you switch it on darkness doesn't argue these are my thoughts and i just felt i need to drop this out there we cannot keep analyzing we cannot keep ignoring we cannot just keep talking about all these sort of things restructuring intellectual analysis trying to break this down the issue is Nigeria is not a nation. It's a country of many nations. It's obviously obvious. My thoughts. Thank you very much for hanging out with me on this episode. Let's continue the conversation. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Reju Musings. On Instagram, Dr. Reju. On Twitter, Dr. Reju. And we can be listened to on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a host of other podcast spaces. Please follow me and uh, drop a comment, drop a question, and I'll be glad to continue this conversation with you. Thank you again for listening. Bye-bye.